That's pretty good news, isn't it? You have no access to God, but guess what? The Son of God has come. And he takes you by the hand and he walks you past every objection, everything that says you can't enter, you can't talk to God, you can't be in the presence of God. The Son of God brings you in right to the Father and he says, this man needs to talk to you. That's the access that you have and I have to our Father. Isn't that amazing that Jesus has done that for us and that true story that uh, really helps illustrate that for us? That's what we talked about last week, that we have one message. And this one message basically is, is uh, the fact that, you know, you and I are broken. You and I, our lives are broken. And uh, our world is a broken world, amen? And uh, in our broken world, I'm telling you that we are kind of hopeless without some outside intervention. And I want you to know that God gave that outside intervention. He sent his son, Jesus, to become a man, to live a life as a perfect human being, and then to invite us into the Father's presence, to come with him based on what he has done for us, that we get to access God. And that's incredible. And then God stays with us in the midst of our brokenness to help us to become whole. That was the one message that we shared last week. And this week we want to talk about one voice, one voice. You know, you have one voice and that voice is a voice of prayer that you and I are invited by God into a continuous uh, presence with his Holy Spirit, with his person. Uh, you know, we all know that the Holy Spirit is, is himself God and he connects us to the Father and through the Son and through the Spirit, you and I are connected together and we're connected to God. And this one voice in prayer, it comes and it can grow. I want you to understand, those of you that may say, well, I don't really know how to pray. I'm not really a praying person. I want you to get that you can actually grow and you can actually mature in prayer. And that maturity and that growing in prayer is an invitation by God for you to come in and to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so you and I have been offered this one voice in prayer. And we're going to do that today by understanding that we are one in nature. And we are one in spirit. And we are one in method. You see, guys, listen to me. Worry... Worry is the conversation that you have with yourself when you don't know what to do. Prayer is the conversation you have with God when you don't know what to do. Amen? So we're going to move from worry to prayer. Well, let's start right now in asking the Holy Spirit to help us to understand that we've been given one voice, and that voice is very powerful, the voice of prayer. Father, help us to be convinced today that we need you, (laughs) that we're not designed to live this life on our own, but we're designed to live this life together in one accord with you, with your people. Help us to understand that every single one of us has gained access into the very presence of God and how powerful of an invitation and a gift that that truly is. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. 
Well, I'm going to read the scripture that I read to you last week. This is another portion. I'm just reading a portion of it. This is the longest recorded prayer in the book of Acts. So how many of you know the longest recorded prayer in the book of Acts probably has some things to teach us? Amen? So I'm going to give you just a portion of that prayer one more time. This is Acts chapter 4. You can read it yourself a little bit later. It says, as soon as they were released from custody, if you remember Peter and John, sorry, I'll, I'll just keep reading and then I'll get back to that story. Peter and John went into uh, with other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. When the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed, Lord Yahweh, you are the Lord of all. You created the heavens, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in them. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through your servant David, our forefather, saying, we'll talk about what he said later, each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. Amen. Understand that we are one in nature. We are one in nature. Our text said this, when the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed. Now that word unity is a very interesting word, guys, because it doesn't just mean uh, like in one accord. It doesn't just mean, uh, you know, we're one in, in, uh, in our circumstance, uh, but we're also one in our condition. So it's, it's kind of a big word. And uh, I won't, I won't, I'm going to mispronounce it in the, in the Greek, but it's homo uth madon. And uh, you might, Greek scholars are like, well, you butchered that. I understand that, but the rest of us don't really know that. So we just think I did it excellently. But uh, this first part of that word, guys, basically means this, this idea of united in, to such a degree, such a commonality, that not only are we connected by our circumstance, listen, guys, we're connected by something far deeper. That humanity is connected together in such a way that you and I need to grasp and why prayer becomes such an important part of our life. You see, the Bible says when they heard, when they heard. Now, if you remember the story, uh, John and uh, Peter are being basically told by the religious crowd and the high priest, stop preaching in Jesus' name or you're going to be in trouble. They throw him in prison and then they release him with this stern warning that you need to stop. And, and so this voice is coming to them, and the word heard means noise. This is, noise is coming at them. How many of you know we live in a culture of noise? We live in a culture of noise. And the noise is telling us all kinds of things. And particularly today, the noise is telling the church to shut up. That's the voice of this world. What voices are coming at you right now? What noise is coming at you right now? Maybe you're saying, I'm trapped and I can't change. Maybe the noise is saying, you can't be free, you can't be healed, you can't change your family, you can't change your circumstance, you can't change a nation, you can't change an eternal destiny. But I want you to know that you're not alone and that those voices are lying to you. Because there's a power available to you that says differently. It's interesting, this commonality that you and have, you and I have together, that we're one. But you know, it's, it's not only common in our circumstances, but it's common on something far more internal. And I want to read you uh, another scripture. It says in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit himself te uh, testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. Amen? That we have access. 
We have access. That's what that's saying. We have access because of what Jesus has done. And all of us together are these children, and we're heirs, and we're co-heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing in his inheritance with him, but only we must also share in his suffering if we're going to share in his glory. We have common access, but we also have a common suffering. That word for suffering is an interesting word. It's the word pathos. And uh, it's where we get our word pathology from. And so how many of you know every single human being has a common pathos? So doctors, when they, when, they, when they do a pathology, what they're doing is they're studying the effects of a disease and they're looking at how can we cure or how can we set this person free from this disease. Are you following me? That's how, they, that's how they follow the pathology of a disease. Where is that person at and how do we set them free? How many of you know that you have a common pathology with every other human being? And that common pathology is that you have the disease called sin. And that disease called sin, God looked down and he said, okay, how can I diagnose this? How can I set them free from this? And of course we know the story. He sent his son Jesus to die, to become a man, to live as a man in in the flesh, to live a perfect life in order to become the cure for the sin disease. That's pretty good. So you gotta understand there's a common suffering, but the common suffering goes deeper than that even. And that um, I want you to get that you have a common pathology also in circumstance with people. Do you know that, let's just set sin aside for a minute. How many of you know that every one of us goes through stuff? If we could have a story time of every person in this room, you would be shocked at how similar their story is to yours. Now, it may be different in different circumstances, but do you understand? Every one of us has gone through loss. Every one of us has gone through pain. Every one of us has gone through suffering. Every one of us has gone, and we think that we're alone, and we're all alone. I'm going to tell you, you're not alone. You're not alone. You are connected to other people. And if you haven't gone through loss, if you haven't gone through things, I'm going to tell you, you're going to one day. You're like, Pastor... This is not a happy, happy message so far. But would you rather know that what's coming than not know? It's just part of life, guys. There's a common suffering that each one of us needs to know. But Jesus comes into our common suffering. And the Bible says he enters into that suffering. He enters into those trials and those times in your life when every one of us goes through and we look at the mirror and we say, man, God, what are you doing? I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone. God is for you and with you in the midst of that suffering. Do you know the Bible actually says that we've been subjected to this suffering? We've been subjected to this, this trial of humanity, of being a human being, not based on our own, you know, we didn't choose it. We didn't say, well, I wonder when I'm gonna suffer today. But do you understand that God sometimes will bring us through those things in our life in order that we will turn to him? You know, I'm not just talking about suffering. I'm talking about blessing as well. Do you know that blessing is meant to turn you to God? But also so is suffering. 
So are the distressing times of your life. They're meant for you to turn to God. Now, do you understand that the, the church book back in the book of Acts gets this voice, gets this word, hears this noise. You guys are in trouble. You have to shut up. But you know what they do? They turn to the one card they have. And in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of that connection they had together, they begin to cry out to God. You see, Jesus came to set us free, to walk with us through our suffering. Now, sometimes I think, you know, let's take this more personally. You know, your life and my life, when I want to, uh, you know, the gospel is not just the freedom to be set free from sin, but the gospel is that God wants to change you into the image of his son, Jesus. And that the power of the gospel is to recreate you. But how many of you know we need to be disturbed sometimes from the direction we're going in in order for God to get our attention so that we will continue to cling to him? You see, false religion, guys, tries to teach us, listen to me, this is the sin sickness that you and I suffer and we need to understand something. Um, Every one of us has this the Latin calls it incurvitis in se. We're constantly curved in on ourselves. <laughs> That's what sin is. It constantly looks to self for the solution. And so we think I got money in my bank, I have a solution. We think I, you know, I got everything under control, I have a solution. We constantly turn inward. And I want you to understand Jesus came to set us free from looking here as the solution. And to look up to God. To bend away from ourselves and our circumstances and say, God, I desperately need you to intervene. And to cry out, to him. You see, false religion again teaches us, you know, uh, God says, you know, you be holy. So you know what we do? I'm going to tell you what we do. We try to be holy. We try to do it on our own. Well, God, I can be holy. No. (laughs) You created the problem. What makes you think you're the solution to the problem? So we get on the hamster treadmill of, hey, 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 I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. No, you fall flat on your face and you're like, oh God, give me another chance. And you think God is sitting in heaven shaking his head saying, you are such a loser. <laughs> you're not. You're a child of God. Amen. You're created in the image of God. But that image has become bent inward. It's become marred. It's become broken. And so you need some help from outside of you to bend you back toward God. And so false religion is saying, try harder, try harder, try harder. And you know what God's saying? Give up. Abandon. And there's a place where you can abandon. And that place is in prayer. That place is in prayer. Where you can say, God, I'm desperately, helplessly broken. God, my family's in trouble. God, my nation's in trouble. God, help. And he says, right on. You're starting to get it. You're starting to get it. See, God isn't sitting at the finish line, you guys, waiting for you to cross over, and then he'll say, well, you kind of did it. No, he is running the race with you. He is actually in you. 
(laughs) He's in you. Can you imagine? God has imprisoned himself in in every believer's heart in the Holy Spirit. He's put his Holy Spirit in your heart. The minute you confess Christ, he comes into your life as the helper. (laughs) Amen? And and here we are, we're in humanity, we're in Canada, we're so blessed, we're so favored, we try and trust ourselves, and, and I don't know about you, but it doesn't work. You can't do it on your own. And you weren't meant to. How many of you know little has changed in human history in the last few thousand years? How many of you know we keep trying to fix ourselves? And how many of you know we end up back in the same spot, more broken than when we started? But there's a solution. There's a God who takes you right where you're at and wants to walk with you to become whole. See, this is what the early church knew. (laughs) They connected to the only one they knew could help them. You have to understand the early church, guys. The early church had the greatest, prior to being the early church, they were Jewish people that had the greatest system of laws in order to reach God. And how many of you know they couldn't reach God? It didn't work. And so they tried harder. They even created more rules. They created rules to surround the rules. It didn't work. And so do you understand now the message has come that you can't do it on your own, but God is here for you? And I'm telling you, the early church said immediately upon hearing the voice, shut up, shut up, shut up. Don't talk anymore. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk about the hope that you have. They cried out to God more because they knew this is our only hope. I often wonder what it's going to take for us to gain that hope. I have a thought. Are we under any illusions of our greatness without God? Holy God, help us. We're one in nature, guys. We're all in the same boat. (laughs) We're all in the same boat. But here's the next thing if you're going to cry out in one voice is that you need to understand that you are one in spirit. You are one in spirit. Omath Umadan, the first part meant that connection, that oneness that we have, but the second part, Thumadan, is an interesting word. It means passion or hard breathing. It's connected entirely to the spirit or the breath, the soul, the heart, the mind, the soul. It talks about a fierceness and a a resignation and an indignation that stands up and said, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is the word. It's a word for passion. Thumadon. You're connected, you're, you're one, you're one in your problems, you're one in your issues, you're one in your circumstance, but man, there's a power, there's a connection, there's a Thumadon, there's a voice, there's a breath that is available for you. That is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God in you. This indignation and this fierceness, this wrath, How many of you know we could do with a little fierceness today? 
we could do with a little power. We could do with a little bit of hope today in our culture. We could do with a little bit of hope in our church and in our churches. See, God is with us, guys. Listen to me now. God is with us in our circumstances. But the hard question is this, are we with him? Are we with him? Are we gonna constantly keep curving inward? Are we gonna constantly think that we're the solution? God help us. Access is open. Come on in. Breathe in and breathe out the free air of the Holy Spirit. This transformation of character requires a certain level of honesty and a level of brokenness in the church that I believe that God is calling us to. And I need you to understand this. I can do nothing but tell you this is coming. Whether you respond to this is up to you. And so God is calling the church in this new level and you need to understand the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and how this works in your life and in my life. We know that in the book of Acts at the very beginning, it says uh, this, Jesus is speaking, he says, you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now we know that's the classic verse for the Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that we can be witnesses, we can share the good news of the story, but I believe there's a deeper meaning here. The word witness, you guys, listen to me. The word witness means martyr. It's a word for death. And and I I believe God is saying, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my martyrs. You're like, this is not going well so far, Pastor Greg. Do you know what he's saying, guys? There is a brokenness in you. There is a depth of pain and reality of your life without God that you need to surrender to him. You need to stop hiding and covering and pretending and you need to be open to God and vulnerable and real about the death that is in you. That's the gospel. See, when Jesus preached, there was fragrances all the time. There was baked, baking bread, and, and there was you know, the fragrance of death. When, when he goes to Lazarus, and they, they move away the tomb, and, and, and Mary said, Elizabeth says, sorry, Martha says, you know, it stinketh. It stinketh, God. It stinketh. Don't roll away the stone. How many of you know you got a stone covering some stuff in your life? And God is going to move it away. He's rolling the stone away, guys, and everybody's freaking out. It stinks, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoo! You can't perfume that up. You can't. It's death. And Jesus is saying, I'm about to uncover some stuff in your life. So much stuff that you need something greater than yourself. See, when Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit, and he was baptized, listen to me, the Spirit of God came upon him in the form of a dove. It lighted on him. Why? How many of you know a dove is a symbol of peace? And how many of you know Jesus had nothing to fix? 
There was nothing in his life that was broken. Are you following me? He had everything under control. His life was perfect before God. And so when God came upon him in the form of a dove and lighted on him, it was just that everything's great. But how many of you know what the Holy Spirit comes upon you and I in the form of? Fire. Why? You still got stuff to... You got stuff that needs to be cleaned up. Now listen to me. Listen to me. The access doesn't change to God. Are you following me? That's still the same. He knows the stuff that's in your life. He knows it better than you. You think you got it all going on, then you turn the spiritual corner and you're like, ah! Something very ugly staring at you. And God's like, yes! So what do you do with it? Hide, cover, blame, justify? No! Cry out to God in one voice. God, save us. Deliver us. Change us, God. See, here's the thing. We must have a growing and increasing relationship with the Holy Spirit, church. So I want to challenge you today on some things. You ready? Here's number one. Take the limits off God. Take the limits off God. You know, I I want you to understand something. You've seen a physical intervention of God in your lifetime on a national level that is so astounding, I have to be confessed, I did not believe it to be possible. And this is not a statement of anything else other than the reality of humanity's intention and God's decision. If you think Donald Trump got elected in the States because of his popularity... You are crazy. There is no explanation other than a sovereign move of God. And I'm not saying Donald Trump is God's man. I'm saying God put him in here for this time. You and I witnessed that. We witnessed an election where they had posters already printed of the candidate that they believe had 100% guarantee of winning. And God turned things. Why? Because the nation cried out to God in prayer. National repentance and brokenness. See, we need to take the limits off God. You know, the Bible says that Jesus had the spirit without limit. Do you know what that means? There are limits. If Jesus had the spirit without limit... How many of you know we are limiting God? If what's available to mankind is the spirit without limit, how many of you know there's more? (laughs) So take the limits off God. Here's the second thing, and I need you to hear this very carefully. Do not be afraid of what God has for you. Listen to what it says about the Holy Spirit in Luke 11. I think I put it up on your screen. So I say to you, ask and keep on asking, it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. 
For everyone who keeps on asking persistently receives, and he who keeps on seeking persistently finds, and he who keeps on knocking persistently, the door will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, that is sinful by nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continue to ask him? Do you really think that if you ask the good, good father for the gift of his Holy Spirit, he will give you a snake? If you ask him for something in your life, I want you to make a connection here and understand this. Everything that comes to us from God comes through the Holy Spirit. I don't understand this disconnect in the church with our need, our desperate need for the Holy Spirit. Do you think God's gonna give you a snake? I'm amazed by people's discussions about the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm afraid of that. I stay away from that stuff. Do you like God? Is God good? The Holy Spirit is God. He's one with God. Every good thing you feel and experience in your life because of God's presence is the Holy Spirit. Why are we afraid? Here's the third thought about the Holy Spirit. That which unites us, the enemy wants to use to divide us. Do you understand that it is the Spirit of God that connects you to God? <laughs> Every single person, somebody had, had a vision last week of a thread, and the thread was going, who was that? Who was it? Wave, wave at me, I can't see who it is. I got lights blazing in my face. Anyway, the vision was a thread going through every single person in this church, connecting all of us. And they're like, Lord, what does this mean? Well, that one thread is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you are connected to God and to one another through the Holy Spirit. And yet the enemy wants to divide us in the church about our need of the Holy Spirit. We need God's Spirit, church, in ever-increasing measure. There's more available. You know, I'm gonna be just make another statement and get myself in trouble. Just think of me as a guest visiting preacher today. <laughs> Maybe if we're really honest, the thing we fear the most is giving up the illusion of control that we all suffer from. <laughs> you can't live this life without the Holy Spirit. You can't. You can't. See the kingdom of God come through and in you and in your family and, and the presence and the power of God manifest without the Holy Spirit. You desperately need God. We have Holy Spirit weekend coming up next week and I'm telling you, people are like, I'm not going to that. That's crazy. I'm not going to Holy Spirit weekend. That video you just saw, that was from Holy Spirit weekend. Well, now I don't have to go. I just saw the video. No, there's four more. 
The point I'm trying to make is I want to make you uncomfortable to the point of saying, why am I resisting God? These videos are some of the best teaching I have ever seen on the Holy Spirit. From an Anglican church. Anglicans. I know. Who knew? Crazy. Here's the last thing. Understand there's one method. It says they raised their voices in unity and prayed and they spoke by the Holy Spirit through their servant David and therefore saying each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit and they promised I proclaim the word of God with unrestrained boldness. They spoke by the Holy Spirit. David spoke by the Holy Spirit. How many of you know God wants you to start speaking by the Holy Spirit? <laughs> this isn't just talking about a David back writing the Bible. I'm not talking about you writing the Bible. I'm talking about you taking the word of God and under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, beginning to proclaim that over your life, over your family, over your nation, over your issues, over your brokenness, over your suffering. And hey, if you've got it all together, please show up and pray for me because I don't. We need the Holy Spirit. We need unified corporate prayer. You see, the Holy Spirit anointed prayer is interesting. It says they lifted up their voices. You know what that word lifted up means? It means they weighed anchor. How many of you know you're anchored to some stuff, man? You are holding on to some things. You are anchored to some stuff. There's some brokenness in your life that you are anchored to. And God is like, way anchor. Lift up your voice to God. It's your only hope. You can't fix this. You can't counsel yourself out of this. I love it. In the church, I tell this to the staff all the time. Man, people are so broken, we have no hope but other than to pray for them. Has it come to that, Pastor? Yes! It's come to that. What's weighing you down? It's time to weigh that anchor and set sail in prayer with the wind of God's Holy Spirit. When I was first saved, the day I got saved, the old preacher that preached at me, Albert Lindoff Sr., uh, he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He hand-wrote the Bible three times. It's where I got my idea to write, hand-write the Bible. Uh, he was an amazing man of God. And uh, he literally started pointing at me. My brother Doug was sitting right next to me. And, and he started to move down seats away. Like literally it was on wooden benches and Doug was sliding away because this old preacher was preaching around me. Young man, the Spirit of God is on you. It's time to weigh anchor, he said. And let the wind of the Holy Spirit carry you. I'm like, okay, man. I just came to my sister-in-law's baptism. He's moving away. Pick on him. What's weighing you down? See, the Holy Spirit wants to speak through your life and through my life. And this is our hope. Just like he spoke through David, he wants to speak through you. You know, I've, I've said this to you before, Revelation 19, 
It says these, these are the true words, the genuine and exact declarations of God. I fell prostrate to his feet and I worshiped. He's, basically, John is worshiping and trying to worship an angel. And the angel says, uh, he says, refrain, you must not do that. I am only another servant with you and your brethren who have accepted the holy and the testimony borne by Jesus. It says, worship God. For the substance, the essence of the truth revealed by Jesus is the spirit of all prophecy, the vital breath, the inspiration, the inspired preaching, the interpretation of the divine will and purpose, including both mine and yours. Do you understand? He's saying, guys, cry out to Jesus. Worship God. Speak to God. Speak the word of God. That is your hope. That is all you have in this generation. to speak the word of the Lord, to come together in prayer, to declare God. See, when we grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we begin to know the heart and mind of God and our words take on a new authority and a new power. We need unified corporate prayer, church. I'm wearing a bracelet today. The bracelet says uh, Canada 365. My wife and I yesterday spent the day praying for the nation of Canada. And uh, we were invited by a group of churches that are saying, we, need to, we feel we need to cry out to, for God for Canada right now. And so we went and uh, we, we walked the parliament grounds and we walked the Alberta education grounds and we, we, we came back together and we prayed and there were young people there and old people there. There was probably 150 people there crying out to God, saying, God set our nation free. God help us, God help us, God help us. And it was awesome. And so their vision is to see Canada prayed for for the next 365 days. It's called Canada 365. Alberta was the place they started. It was the first place. Isn't that interesting? How many know we can change a nation? Guys, we can change a nation. We can pray and cry out to the God who can change a nation. And that's unified corporate prayer. You know, a few months ago, I told you about the scripture in Genesis 4.26, very beginning of the Bible, and Adam and Eve have this child, and of course, he's killed by his brother, and they have another son. His name is Seth, and then Seth had a son, and his name was Enosh, and the word Enosh means weak or sickly or feeble. So for the first time, a man is born, and they don't know what to do. It's weak, it's sickly, it's feeble, and so the scripture says that they began to cry out to the name of the Lord. You see, way back in Genesis, they knew they needed a power that was greater than them. So they cried out to God. Listen to this quote by Jim Simbala. It's awesome. It says, a collective relationship with the Almighty before the Bible was available, before the first preacher was ordained, before the first choir sang, formed a godly stream of men and women distinguishing themselves from the ungodly neighbors by calling upon the Lord. Before doctrine, before churches, before all of it, they called out to God. They called out to God. See, it's time to raise up one voice, the voice of united, corporate, Holy Spirit, anointed prayer. I want you to not be scared of the Holy Spirit, church. How many of you know the Holy Spirit comes upon me differently than he's gonna come upon every other person in this place? When I was in that prayer meeting with 150 people and my wife, 
there were some people that were praying very quietly and broken. And then I was praying with fire and fervency. And some of them were praying for justice. And some of them were praying for mercy. And everyone was different. Are you following me? Everyone was different. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives gifts as he decides. It's time for us to have one voice in prayer. You're one in nature. We're going to ask the worship team to come back. You're one in spirit. And God is trying to teach you you're one in method. Method. 